You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We are right now in the last installment of our series, All That Matters, and our goal is that we will have a deeper understanding of who Jesus is so that we can live by faith and live a life of generosity and stewardship. This is why last week our topic was about giving. That more than just giving concerning this widow who gave her two mites is indeed God is after what? The condition of our hearts. This is why Jesus watches when we give the condition of our hearts and how we give the motivation of our hearts. Then what we give, the amount doesn't really matter to God as long as you are giving with the right heart. But because you're giving with the right heart, you can help but give more. Am I correct? This is why in victory we don't exhort people to give uh, really, and we exhort, we exhort people to give, but we don't take so much time for about an hour to exhort all of you so that you will give, that we don't coerce anyone to give. Our job is not to tell you what to give or how much you need to give. Our goal is to move you closer to God because when your relationship with God is going deeper, giving is not a problem. Am I correct? If you are in a relationship with somebody that you love, you don't even think about giving to that person because you love that person. How many of you here are married? Come on now. A lot of us here the reason why it's a no-brainer for you to give to your wife this Christmas. Am I correct, sir? Because you love your wife. Amen. Love your wife and be a blessing to her. And of course, more than just being a blessing to your partner, because your relationship with your spouse is growing deeper, this is why you're giving. This is what we want to teach you, because the gospel is simply about the relationship that we have with God, and the reason why we can worship God, we can serve God, we can live for God, because of our walk with Him. This is why our topic today in Luke 16 is very, is very provocative. This is something that some of you might misquote or misunderstood because the story is not that easy to understand. Jesus taught His disciples. This was intended for the disciples, but because the Pharisees are listening. How many of you here, you've been guilty of listening in somebody's conversation? It was God who put me in that situation. I don't have a choice but to listen. Do you understand? But all of us are, 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 are very, how should I say, intrigued when, when there is a discussion or a hot topic or an issue that you can help but listen to people. And, and I, I am guilty. I mean, when, when two pe- people are conversing concerning really the things that they possess and the things that they have and the things that they own and they brag about them, uh, what they have, I just can't help but, but enjoy the, the, the scenario. Do you understand? And, and a lot of us here, we have different encounters of listening to people. And this was the whole story of Jesus when he was trying to communicate a message to his disciples. The religious people are listening. So the reason why the story is a bit provocative. Other word for provocative. Uh, uh, intriguing. Come on now. Uh, other word for intriguing. Controversial, okay? And, and, and interesting, Jesus saw the perfect opportunity. This is why I like this passage, because this is distinct from all the parables. Parables are stories that Jesus is giving to the people in order for him to communicate a principle. This is a story or a story, or the story is a good lesson from a bad example. And this story is so simple and yet very unusual. In fact, this story involves a lot of, in fact, not a lot, but two wicked people. Now, how can Jesus Christ use a story that is evil, that is celebrating something that is unrighteous? And nobody is going to celebrate something evil or unrighteous. God is always using stories and references 
that are good, pleasing, and godly. But this time, because he wants to what? To solicit a reaction from the Pharisees. You know why Pharisees? Because they're far from God. Do you understand? And he wants to solicit a reaction. I don't know if you're familiar. When I was in college, there was a, a college competition of the best poster and advertisement. And a, a friend of mine, a close friend of mine, won the, 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 the competition because the advertisement, this was a poster-making contest, was an ad, okay, where the goal is to catch the attention of people that will read it. Catch the attention of people for about two seconds. Okay? The kind of design that when people see it, they can help but read it. You know what my friend wrote in a poster? Don't read this. Don't read this. And people are intrigued. Every time they see that poster, they just can't help but take a closer look and read it. And he won the award. This was a very negative story, or should I say, a story that, that has caused people to be intrigued, most especially the religious people. This is why in Luke 16, it's written right here, he also said to the disciples, he was talking to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager. How many rich people are in this room rich? How many of you here, you want to be rich? Okay, a lot of you here, you want to be rich, okay? He also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager. And charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possession. And he called to him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be a manager. You're not handling whatever I have given, whatever funds I have provided according to what I want. And this guy is a manager, a steward of what he was given. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? Now I'm beginning to uh, take a closer look at this passage because I'm beginning to ask myself, is this a Filipino? You will hear, okay? You will take a closer look of the whole story and I feel like this guy probably is a Filipino because of, of the way he would go about planning the next steps that he will be making. It says right here, I am not strong enough to dig. I am ashamed to beg. Have you, no? Kahit wala nang trabaho, right? I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So this steward was simply reminded that I'm in trouble. So, okay, he knows that he is going to be asked to give an account at the end of the day. And he is simply finding means and ways that if I will be found and faithful, though we know there is a track record that he has been mismanaging, but the issue is not fraud, is mismanagement, still he is allowed to what interface with the people who has borrowed money from his masters. So he was simply, in a way, taking a posture and a position that I would want to take advantage of this season that if I will be fired from my job, may my future is secured. So this manager, this steward, okay, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? 
He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. This is, okay, this sounds like very Philippine, okay? He doesn't want to do things, okay, the hard way, and he doesn't want to work for it. He just wants to orchestrate something to prepare himself that after I'm done here, okay, everything will be okay. And I will have a secured future. Verse 7. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write 80. The master, the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. And the first time I read this, about 10, 15 years ago, I realized. Is Jesus Christ celebrating that we need to be shrewd? In Tagalog, kailangan manggulang. Maraming magulang na magulang. Some of you can understand. Please translate that for me. But what Christ is trying to celebrate here is not just, it's not even dishonesty. That you need to be shrewd. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. He was simply trying to communicate a message that I'm not celebrating that you outwit okay, people and take advantage of people. That you lie. That you cut corners and, and do what is not right and pleasing before God. He was simply saying that, look at the people of the world. They think long-term. They think based on their future. And a lot of Christians, I realize, are not long-term thinkers. The value of this message is a message that we can learn a lot from the people of the world. How many of you here can honestly say that uh, there are people in the world that are hardworking, though they don't have a relationship with God? How many of you here can, can, will, will agree with me that there are non-Christians out there that are punctual? And they tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth. When you say unrighteous, it's not negative or evil. But the possessions that you have, if you do understand that these things is not going to control you, but you're the one dictating the tempo, you're the one controlling, that you're using money in order for you to win friends to prepare your future, Jesus commends long-term thinking that the story is a parable not to celebrate shrewdness or dishonesty. It's a story about thinking long-term. Do you understand? Long-term kasi ako mag-isip eh. Are you familiar with that? And I've been hearing people. Okay? Validate the whole idea that I think long-term. But look at your life. How come you do things with a short-term, should I say, application? That you're simply saying that I'm thinking long-term, I'm thinking of the future. But how come most of the time when you spend money, you're always thinking of your needs and your wants. You're not thinking in light of eternity. That when you're spending money to your loved ones, you're, you're calling it spending and not investing. When it comes to spending money to people that you love, you're not spending, you're investing to these people. A lot of people would always tell me, Ryan, you can bring money to heaven. Yes, I do agree. You cannot bring money to heaven, but you can send money ahead of you. Am I correct? That when you invest the people and the lives of people that will cause them to get to know God, you are simply using money to bring people to heaven. And the reason why God wants to bless you with a lot of money, and some of you here, I want to ask you a simple question. How many of you here, you want to be rich? How many of you here, you want to be so rich? 
You want to be, you want to have a lot of money. It's easy to raise your hand when you understand the whole idea and the whole concept that the reason why God blesses people, not because for you to just enjoy what God has provided, but you are simply saying that God, with where I am, I am using what you have provided for your glory to fulfill your mission. And if you add more, I can do more. Money is not provided by God. That money becomes your God, that you serve money. Money was provided to serve the purposes of God. This is why I will not be threatened and I will not take it against you. That if God blesses you with a lot of money, when you understand that money is a tool, you will never be harmed. But if you think money is yours because I deserve this, I did work for it, and it's not God's, you're in trouble. Because when you own something in this planet, it has the capacity to control your life and eat you. This is what we've been talking about a week ago. And the reason why we struggle in giving and being generous is because without you knowing it, it is money that's controlling all your decisions. But you do understand that money is provided and given by God so that you can serve God further. And because you are in control of your money, you tell money where to go. And some of you here, probably you're simply saying, Lord, I can be a blessing to people if you bless me with so much. Wherever you are right now, it will be part of our topic today. If you are generous, no matter how small and limited you have, if you are generous, you will always be generous. This is why it says right here, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. The value of the message is so simple. Every time you get hold of what God has blessed you, always think, Lord, more than just a new rubber shoes, a new lipstick, a new makeup, a new shirt, and there's nothing wrong with that. More than everything that I want for myself, which is also limited, because the joy is limited. After buying a gadget for about a week or two weeks, you drop your iPhone, okay? You develop a habit of dropping it. You know, have, you, have, you, have you experienced that? Kidding aside, but I hope you don't understand that when you understand the value, whatever you're earning, whatever you're receiving is that God, where is eternity in all of this. With all of my spending, where's eternity? Because if you take a closer look of everything that you're doing, everything that you spend for are so limited that after you're gone in this planet, you're done. That's not what God wants us to accomplish. God wants to bless your life far beyond you could ever ask or imagine according to His riches and glory because He wants to tell you that everything that I have from the very beginning is to prosper you so that you become a blessing. This is why a person who doesn't understand what God is up to, that I am blessing your life so that you become a blessing, are people that have gotten into a lot of troubles. Why? Because when you're not thinking long-term, you're thinking short-term. If you're not thinking to be a blessing, you're thinking to always bless yourself. And before you know it, everything that you do is centered around yourself. And before you know it, when things are centered upon yourself, you're in trouble. I have seen people whose life revolves around what they want. The day that you came to the Lord 
and the money that you have. Your life should revolve around God and the purposes of God and the things of God. This is why it says right here, and I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. And the shrewd manager was befriending people who owed his master 50 and 80. That's what you need to write. Because in the near future, when I run out of resources and I lose my job, I have friends that are indebted to me. The picture is so simple that we need to understand that we're not asking people to be indebted to us. But it is amazing that once you use money to send more people to heaven, when you die and you face God, welcome a good and faithful servant. You will be welcomed by people that you have ministered to and shared the gospel to. Ladies and gentlemen, all of us will die. But death is not the end. It's not the final season and chapter of our lives. Death is just a beginning of how you will witness of how God will reward what you've done. Some of the Christians, some of the Christians would just be saved from the lake of fire. And probably some of us here, your goal is just to enter heaven. There are two types of people in heaven. People that would enter heaven and people that would enter heaven and be rewarded for what they've done. Now, that's not our topic. Because I know that a lot of us here, of course, you do understand that when you live your life according to what God wants, the Lord will reward you. But the question we need to ask ourselves, more than just the rewards that we'll be receiving in heaven, is that everything that you're doing, are you spending, investing, and saving based on your perspective of eternity? Because if you're not thinking in that manner, the tendency is that you're serving money. This is why money is not a problem, am I correct? Money is not a problem. The love of money is our main problem. Because when you love money, you will worship money. And when you worship money, money will control you. This is why Jesus is simply saying, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And the one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. Why is Jesus Christ saying this? Because Jesus is simply saying that everything that pertains to you begins when things are small and limited. Some of us, our mindset is that, Lord, just bless me with so much. I will change my approach to giving. I will be a good person. I will go to church. I will be a great Christian when I'm well provided. That's not going to happen. Because I've seen people prosper by God who's not in church. In fact, there are a lot of people that are in church because they don't have much. So if you are in church and you're close to God and you're deep in Christ because of limited resources, what do you think you deserve? Let me say this once again. If you're in church because you have nothing, you understand? And we have seen through the years that people who have much are not in church. What do you think you're communicating to God? Bless me more or just give me what I need? You're simply telling God, Lord, give me what I need because I think the blessings that you have blessed me with, though your motive is right and correct, and yet with everything that you have blessed me, it is destroying my life. Therefore, I conclude that you don't need a lot because when you have a lot, it's doing more harm than good. I want you to understand that with what you have, no matter how small it is, when you understand eternity, you don't undermine what you have because the problem is not how much you have. You know the problem? It's not the size of your savings account, but the condition of your heart. How many of you here will agree with me that when you're receiving 15,000 pesos a month, your prayer is that, Lord, can you bless me more? 
if I'm blessed more, I think I can manage this well. Do you understand? When the Lord bless you with about 25,000, still the problem is not the amount of money. You want more and you ask God, Lord, can you give me more? Can you grant my request and my desire that you double my salary? Give me 30,000. When you reach that amount of salary, haven't you observed that the problem that you have had 10 years ago is the same problem that you have now? Because the problem is not the amount of money that you're receiving, but the condition of your heart and the desire to manage whatever God has blessed you with according to what He wants. Your problem is not the size of your salary. Your problem is that you don't understand who owns your salary. Your salary is not yours. It's owned by God. And when we spend money and invest money, you don't ask whatever you need or whatever you want. You ask God, Lord, how do you want me to spend your money? And when you follow God and when you obey God according to what He wants, that's another topic for another day, you'll be surprised that you don't need a credit card. This Christmas, I know you have a lot of reasons to buy yourself with something. Napansin nyo? Pag may gusto ka, you're so intelligent to reason with yourself. Nagihirap naman ako eh. Christmas naman eh. And every time that you intend to buy, there is this demonic spirit that would reveal that four-letter word with, with a red background. And because you're intelligent, you reason with yourself and you tell yourself, I will not buy, I just want to check it out. Come on now. And you take a closer look. And suddenly, there is a voice that tells you that you are, huh, you are entitled because you've been working hard. And there's another voice that tells you that you have a credit card with a credit limit of 1,000 pesos. And even though you're limited... You'll find the way. And there's another voice that will tell you that there is such thing as zero interest. And before you know it, you will go out of that mall with a paper bag in your hand and you're even surprised why you have that bag in your hand. And the question is, why do I have this? Where am I? Who am I? Because it was not you who bought the item. It was the demonic spirit that led you into the wilderness. But you know that if you're thinking right, eternity will always influence all the decisions that we're making. Our decisions reveal how we see eternity. The world is filled with financial planners and advisors, and it is good for Christians to learn how to use their money wisely. But when most Christians talk about wise money management, they forget to practice the most important kind of long-term investing. Investing with an eye to eternity and everlasting home. This is why if then you have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? If we can't be faithful with earthly wealth, which is even, which is, isn't ours to begin with, whatever God has blessed us, it's not our own. Then how can we be entrusted with true riches? The true riches here is referring to stewardship and responsibility in God's kingdom along with all the accompanying heavenly rewards. That the riches that God has prepared for us are heavenly riches. This is why when we spend, we invest, we save, we're thinking long term that Lord, someday, whatever I would be rewarded of, it is because when I was alive, I was thinking eternity. It is my prayer. 
that people like us wouldn't just spend money, invest money, and spend on what we want and what we need. The Lord, can you give me the wisdom that every time I spend money, I will do this for the kingdom of God? I mean, giving to real life is one. Blessing your brother and spending time with him, sending him to school and using your money in order for you to really bring a friend to church, that is investing into the lives of people. Just like what I mentioned, you cannot bring money to heaven, but you can send money ahead of you by investing in the lives of people. And before you know it, that when God greets us, welcome a good and faithful servant, you will be what? You will be welcomed by people that you have invested money to, that you have brought into the kingdom of God. This is why. If you're not thinking long-term, if you're not thinking eternity, most of the time you're thinking of yourself. That's the reason why there is a pushback for most of us that are not even generous. If you're not thinking eternity and investing the lives of people and blessing people and bringing people into heaven because that's your mission, the tendency is to always think that every time you have a salary, the first thing that you would always think, what do I need, what do I want? Haven't you noticed if you have 100,000 pesos in your pocket and you have three credit cards. I don't know if you've been in that situation. You don't walk, you, you glide. There is something that changes in your personality. Why? Because you look, should I say, confident? Why? Because money has dictated that if you have me, people will look at you differently. No, 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 no. I will use you so that people will know God differently. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. My question with you right now, if you're given a choice, is it God or money? Is it God or money? Is it God or money? My answer is both. I'm not asking that you serve. I'm asking if you are given a chance to pick a choice. One can have both money and God, but one cannot serve both money and God. It is amazing to have God and have money. And I do pray that God will bless you far beyond you can ever ask or imagine. When you have God, you will handle money the way God wants it to be. The problem with us is that we have money and we want God to subscribe to what we want. You're simply telling God what to do. Therefore, you're serving money. It is so important for all of us in this room that our devotion when it comes to God will reveal how we see eternity. Because when you're devoted to God, you think the way God thinks. You think long term. You think eternity. You know what money will tell you? Buy what you want now. Because if you don't buy, the sale will be over. Merong <laughs> mall-wide sale, weekly sale, Christmas sale. Do you understand? November sale, September sale, Teacher's Day sale, Mother's Day sale, Father's Day sale. They can think of ways because if they don't sell it, they lose. So the way to go about this is to give it at a lower price so that they can produce better items and more items and newer items. But the greatest lie is that when you don't buy, you will lose it. And this is really what is intriguing 
even though you don't need it or want it. Some of you, you don't need a gas mask. What if? What if there is a, an apocalypse? <laughs> Do you understand? What, what? Some of you, you don't need it. And yet you feel like it's 80% off. I need a gas mask. Come on now. Some of you here, 90% off. Nakabili ka na sa Clay, wala ka namang problema. Pero binili mo. Baka pag tinapon mo, maging sawa. Yung, yung, there are things that we buy that at times it's so amusing that you just can't help but feel bad. Why did I buy such thing? And the funny thing is, when you're asked by your family members, hindi, you don't need that. Hindi mo kailangan yan. You have this intelligent way of reasoning with them. Kailangan ko yan. Magagamit ko yan. Alam mo naman yung pollution sa Manila. Kailangan ng gas mask. And if you're caught in the middle and you don't know what to say, ba't ka nakikialam? You, you would react and push them back. And before they know it, it's their fault. Do you understand what's happening here? Because all that matters is the condition of our hearts and how we see eternity. Church, life is not about the day that you were born and the day that you die. This is a dress rehearsal, a pit stop. That when you think eternity, you will be surprised that your buying power lessens because there's another life that I'm about to partake. Do you understand? You, you loosen your grip. You let go of items because eternity is at hand. That's my prayer for all of you. I'm not against that you are blessed, but be careful that it controls, it dictates the kind of devotion that is centered on your relationship with God. Be careful. Be very careful that money is just a tool. In fact, God doesn't need our money. But God is so interested with your heart. Am I correct? And money is so close to your heart. Your pocket is close to your heart. And because your money is close to your heart, the Lord is interested with your money. Haven't you noticed the things that are dear to us, our loved ones, our love life, our children? You'll be surprised that God would, would be involved in those areas. Because God wants to check your heart. Do you really love me? Or you love me because you're happily married. What if things are not doing well in your marriage? Will you still worship me? You know, at times, without us knowing it, our hearts are very deceptive. That even with doing what is good. You know, some of you, you love doing what is good because you're a Christian. But deep at the very core of your heart, the reason why you're doing what is good, because it feels so good. And I've been saying this over and over again. We don't do good to feel good. We do good because God is good. And because God is good, I will be good. Come on now. God is 
always interested that you're not controlled by anything in this world. So the best way to remove control is to remove your eyes from your situation. To remove your eyes from your needs and your wants. God will take care. God will be there. God will provide. God will supply. But God is saying, look to me. I am your supplier. And look to eternity. Because your greatest downfall is to be full of yourself. Haven't you noticed that when you have a brand new shoes, somebody will have a brand new expensive shoes. If you have a brand new car, somebody will have a better version of your car. This is a never-ending consumption when you're so consumed about yourself. But when you're focused and you're consumed about what the future holds for you, even things might be compared with what you have, you will not be moved. Because that's, that's not my priority to compete with all of you. My eyes is on the finish line. I mean, it's like running a marathon. Haven't you noticed? When, when you run a marathon, which is really my hobby, I don't even know what marathon is. People would really dress expensively. It will not make you faster. It will not make you finish the race when you don't know where the finish line is. And if you don't have a lot of these gears, you feel bad. I hope I can buy one. It's good to have gears. It's good to be properly equipped. But your eyes should be in the finish line. Not on how you dress and how you look good. Church, just like what I mentioned, all of us will perish, all of us will die. But the beauty of what we have is that death is the beginning because eternity is at hand and eternity is what we live for. This is the life that we have. Whether you like it or not, we wake up every single day with eternity in mind. Because all of us, when you have a relationship with Jesus, all of us are heaven-bound. Are you excited to go to heaven? And while we are excited to go to heaven, that yes, we are heavenly minded, but some are no earthly value. I hope that while we're alive and we're thinking of heaven, we make this life valuable. That with what we have and the resources that we have, we do this as a church, and invest in the kingdom of God. So you're not just an attendee here. You have a mission, you have a purpose, and the world is waiting for you. Lord, thank you for each and every person in this room that you've given us a perspective that we're not living for what is temporary. We don't exist for the temporal. We exist for the eternal that we don't exist just to consume a day, a week, or a month. We're thinking of eternity. Lord, I pray that you change our hearts, that when we invest and we become generous, Lord, give us the grace to give beyond, beyond our means.
You know, all of us, we want to be generous. Right? To our enemies. Of course. No. <laughs> I mean, whether that, that is your loved one or, or somebody that you don't like, it's, it's your attribute as a believer. You're not just a giver. You give generously. If, if you want to bless somebody, you challenge yourself to give more. Why? Because more than just eternity, money can, can control us just like what I mentioned. And giving gener- generously is your way to arrest your greed. And, and nobody will admit that he's greedy. Am I correct? And I do pray that, that you will come into the place we're in. Lord, I'm not controlled by money. Lord, if you give me an opportunity, I will really be generous. So I want to challenge all of you in this room. Think of a friend. Think of a family member. And I want you to start praying that you want to surprise that person with a blessing. Now, we're not giving because they deserve it. We're giving because God led us to do it. I will pray for you that God will soften your heart and even you don't have a supply. I will pray for the supply, but even though you don't have yet the supply, you will step out and do it by faith. Would that be fine? Can we raise our hands? Lord, thank you that you raise generous givers. I want you right now to tell Jesus, Jesus, make me generous. Make me a blessing. Use me, Lord God, to, te- to touch lives of people with the resources that you have provided. Lord, raise a church that are not just generous in this church, but outside. Lord God, we will not reason with ourselves that we are a third world country. We can't be generous. No, no, no. Even though this country doesn't have a great economy, we have a great God who will provide according to His riches and glory. So Lord, thank you that you, we, you, you will reward our faith, that you will provide, you will supply, you will grant us the ability to produce wealth. So today, Lord God, we claim it. And Lord, thank you that we will always find perfect opportunities, Lord God, to give. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. <laughs>